the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. And welcome back Thursday, May 26, 2022, 602-508-0960. I was a little slow to the microphone. I'm sorry about that. I was I was finishing an article. I was just reading, finishing reading an article in The Hill from some Democratic Party consultant, uh, name I, I didn't recognize. It doesn't matter. But with one of these op-eds you see from time to time from people who don't really know what else to write about, uh, how the Democrats can win in November was the title of it. And it went to nothing I, I would have guessed. It had to do with, you know, basically an analysis of the current polling that tries to make it look not so bad for the Democrats. <clears throat> it wasn't about what I thought it might be about. Um which which does have me thinking um, about a question I wanted to pose to y'all, which is, you know, I, I said early on that if, in fact, the U.S. Supreme Court does overturn Roe or Casey or both, it could energize Democrats or at least the left in a way – that Republicans might not be prepared for or be prepared to handle, um, that that would be such an earthquake of change and animation, catalyzation, impetus for the left to roll up their sleeves, get to work and use the worst form of scare tactics and ads against Republicans possible. Um, I, I, I was very much worried about that, very much. And advising and talking and having conversations with political leaders, politicians, candidates, campaign consultants about the best way to address that eventuation if if the Supreme Court would in fact overturn Roe versus Wade this summer right right before the election. And turns out the Supreme Court looks like it's going to appears so. But it also turns out that I think I might have been wrong about its political effects. They energized the Democrats. The leaked memo, the leaked opinion, draft opinion by Sam Alito did energize Democrats for a little bit, didn't it? But as victims of their own cycle of crisis and permanent revolution – they seem to have abandoned almost all talk of that in an effort to go to other areas that have also been proven to be sure losers for them. Think about the Second Amendment debate that's taking place right now. Yeah, of course people are going to be a little bit more open to adjustments or reforms to gun ownership or the Second Amendment, in a moment like this week, I will predict to you 
that by next week that'll be gone and we'll be on to a new thing. I have no idea why the Democrats jumped on this so fast, knowing they would be empty political calories, knowing full well that the traditional Democratic Party thing is not to raise the Second Amendment in an election year. Not to. Not to. And here they are doing it at the expense of what I thought would be their main campaign, which was the issue of abortion. You can tie that issue to abortion, uh, the issue of abortion, if you're clever and a Democrat, you can tie it to a lot of the movements that have, you know, uh, been with us for the past five or six years, including the Me Too movement and women's rights and that sort of thing. You can try to. I mean, there are arguments against it. I'm happy to make them all day long. I believe in the arguments against it. But they, they, they do have a willing media that's willing to serve as their echo chamber to exploit that issue. And it seems like it's totally gone. It's totally gone now, isn't it? And 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 will it come back? I don't know. But they ruined the moment. They ruined their own moment. And I think part of it has to do with us perhaps being a stronger country or a better country than a lot of the political consultancy class thinks we are. A lot better. Think about the abortion issue for a moment. It's often stated without a lot of thought or research that most people in America and most women support abortion rights and Roe versus Wade. They're not the same thing. They're not the same thing. The Senate voted down an expansion of Roe versus Wade. And when Elizabeth Warren throws a tantrum about how most Americans support abortion rights, She's just not right about that. She's not right about it when you drill down into the specifics, which the left never wants to talk about. Elizabeth Warren, for example, is a proponent of one method, all methods of abortion, but one particular method, which was debated heavily about 15, 18, 20 years ago, partial birth abortion. She's a supporter of it. When she talks abortion rights, she means partial birth abortion. You ask most Americans, as any pollster has done, any, any polling group has done over the last 20 years, about Americans' views of partial birth abortion, she's in the vast minority. She's in the vast minority. And they raise it when it comes to you know, the, 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 uh, the argue, argumentum at, at misericordum. The idea that it should be available for those who are victims of rape or incest. And then you realize, well, okay, we can talk about that. And a lot of people would support that. But that's altogether less than 2% of the cases we're talking about. And so it just becomes interesting to me that the, that, that, that the Democrats on that debate alone obfuscated, of course, and never talk about the central issue because they only think the exceptions will have salience. But then when we talk about the larger issues and what we're really talking about, the Democrats are on the losing end of that stick. Losing end of that stick by numbers 
Well over 50%, especially when it comes to partial birth abortion. Anyway, I didn't mean to get too stuck into the abortion part of this debate. Just the notion that almost every time, almost every time you see the Democrats right now seize on an issue they think they can leverage to their political advantage, they ruin it. For themselves. They ruin it for themselves in their extremism. Look at the last 24 hours. I'll do my monologue in more depth and, 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 and sophistication in the third hour on this. But look at, look at the last 24 hours. Beto O'Rourke may, through his public tantrum yesterday, an affected and, and affected takeover of a press conference from someone who holds the office he's running for, he may he may get the left wing in Texas to support him over that. And my guess is he'll probably put a clip of that in one of his television or social media advertisements. He may. But the rest of the country is looking at him pretty much with revulsion. The rest of the country is looking at the Democrats condemning thoughts and prayers or the notions of thoughts and prayers pretty much with revulsion. The rest of the country wants to take a beat from all this. The rest of the country doesn't want politics everywhere all the time cranked up to the highest volume level it can be in every crisis for we lose the notion of a crisis. We lose the notion of an emergency, we lose the notion of a disaster when everything is a disaster, just as we lose the notion of fascist and white supremacist when everyone is a fascist and a white supremacist by mere dint of not agreeing with you on a, I don't know, tax proposal, let's say, immigration proposal, let's say, funding of a war in Europe, let's say. The syntactical saturation is one thing, but so, too, is this emergency crisis saturation, which I think is making most Americans at this point look at the Democratic Party and say, just not a serious party anymore. They can't make our lives better. They have made every part of our lives worse, if not more expensive at a minimum. And it's just becoming an interesting question at the end of the day how easy it will be for Republicans with one simple question. One simple question. What can the Democrats make better that we can't and haven't? Anyway, what's your sense of the election right now, given all these crises that have come at us that looked like they were ripe, perhaps, for Democrats to take control of the microphone on? What's your sense? Let me know. 602-508-0960. I'd really like to get your sense. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. If you're in the market for a great investment opportunity, I want you to check out my friends at Y-Refi. They are my friends. I've spent a lot of time with them. What they're offering is a fixed no-load interest rate up to 10.25% for investors, all in a secure and collateralized portfolio. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm run by great people doing really well by helping others, and you can be too. They're in the business, Y-Refi is, of helping people dig out of debt, doing their best to dig out of debt and doing so the right way by doing the right thing, which is what? 
paying off their debts and giving the debt hold, uh, excuse me, those in debt, the debtors, the ability to do so with dignity and even getting their FICO scores fixed along the way. What more can I say about this great company that you can be a part of too? Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com, or give them a call at 855-316-3087. Make sure and tell them I sent you. Technology's been on my mind a lot last few days, a lot. Um, it, 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 It has no question made our lives a lot easier in every aspect. Every year a new advent of technology makes lives a little bit easier or problems, it seems to be, a little bit more soluble. Um, It doesn't, however, make – while it makes life easier, it may not necessarily make life better. Easier is not a synonym for better. And I was thinking about that in context of something I was reading in Issues and Insights – From the world's largest gathering of hypocrites at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, we have learned that a personal carbon footprint tracker is in the works. In the wrong hands, it would be the equivalent of the ankle monitors used to ensure the criminal offenders don't escape house arrest. We're developing through technology an ability for consumers to measure their whole carbon footprint, J. Michael Evans, president of Alibaba Group, said on Tuesday while on a panel discussion on responsible consumption. What does that mean? Where they are traveling, how they are traveling, what they are eating, what they are consuming on the platform. Wow. This will excite the virtue signalers who will be happy to post their carbon footprint scores on social media. You can already see that happening, can't you? But for the rest of us, those still wishing to live freely who don't want elites establishing the limits of responsible consumption, it's deeply troubling. William Buckley years ago defined a liberal who's as someone who reaches into your shower to to adjust the temperature to how they want it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we're looking at here, folks. Evans described the tracker as if it were just another way for people to keep up with their activities, like a smartwatch that monitors health. But the existence of the technology plays straight into the hands of the wrong people, which in the developed world is roughly half of all elected officials and nearly all of the regulators and bureaucrats of the administrative state. Don't think that they will decline the opportunity to someday require, in the name of saving the climate, each of us to have a carbon footprint tracker so that our lives can be monitored and our behavior adjusted as needed. Look at what they did with you during COVID and what some European countries like France had you do, which had you have a card that could read all your information about your vaccination status with every store and restaurant you walked into. People were saying, oh, this is so wonderful. Is it? Was it? And was any of it necessary in the first place? Or did they all get a lot of personal data on you so that they could monitor your health? Before anyone says we're overreacting, that there's no reason to be concerned, please consider this short list. Yuval Noah Harari, a history professor at Hebrew University in Jerusalem, said in the words, the BBC, that COVID-19 may bring a new surveillance era where 
Governments want to know not just where we go or who we meet. Above all, they want to know what is happening under our skin. A black box on automobiles that would be used to track mileage to determine how much drivers should pay for the roads in lieu of standardized fuel taxes, quote, could lead to a very slippery slope of government knowing our whereabouts at any given moment, says Pacific Research Institute's Tim Anaya. Quote, thanks to a new provision in the trillion-dollar infrastructure bill, your car will be used against you in a court of law, or could be. Under a long-ignored provision, car makers will be required to start monitoring drivers by 2026 using unspecified technology to search for signs of drinking. Flaws in the system will inevitably lead to innocent drivers being flagged and punished. We've been told the government would never control residential smart thermostats to reduce energy. But in 2017, a local L.A. radio station reported that in a growing number of Southern California homes, smart thermostats were changing the temperatures automatically. The customers had given Southern California Edison permission to adjust their homes temperatures. But the leap to political control once those smart thermostats are more widely installed is an awfully short one again. Remember what they told you you could and could not do during COVID. Remember how they embraced you, enticed you, and encouraged you to report on fellow citizens violating municipal COVID orders, even over such things as Easter celebrations outdoors. Pfizer CEO Albert uh, Albert Burla at the Davos uh, Economic Forum, said that his company is working on a tablet that contains a chip which sends a signal that you took the tablet and provides patient information to trackers. It's an advance that used properly would likely be helpful in treating patients, but it's chilling to think the pills could be wrongly used by power-mad elites. It's inevitable that the elite government industrial complex will use control, uh, technology to control the growing number of smart devices in our lives, or at least try to. Politicians and regulators have already determined how much water can be used to flush toilets and flow through our shower heads, set limits on electricity and water use in dishwashers, made gasoline cans more expensive and difficult to use at cars, and ruined automobile design. It will be their pleasure to continue to increase their authority over our lives with their expanded use of innovative technology. It's too bad we don't have anyone in our firmament right now who's looking at this technology revolution in the sense of not what's coming next and what the next innovation will be, but how it will be used and what protections individuals will have from what is very clearly and fast becoming, at a minimum, a surveillance state. Think of the leap it takes to go from a surveillance state to an enforcement state based on that surveillance. Again, just because lives are being made easier through the development and advance of technology doesn't always mean they're being made better. Something to think about. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Oh, speaking of a train, Abraham Hamaday is a locomotive running on the fuel of anchoring truths and actually speaking 
to Arizonans about the things they care about in his uh, quest to become our next attorney general, a quest I fully support and on, am on board with. Abe Hamaday, thanks for joining us again, as always. Thank you, Seth. Good to be with you. You betcha. For the audience uh, that uh, wants to learn more about you or help your candidacy out, let me uh, give your website, abe4ag.com. That's Abe, A-B-E-F-O-R-A-G, abe4ag.com. You can't, Abe, I guess, take politics and politicians out of policy, but I did kind of want to open up a conversation with you, if I could, on your thoughts about what we're seeing coming out of Uvalde, Texas, and when you become the Attorney General of Arizona, you know, how you will think about, how you will look at preventing these kinds of things from happening in your jurisdiction. Obviously, still a lot we don't know, but kind of a lot we do. And the same old arguments aren't really going to get us anywhere, are they, Abe? No, Seth. And I was listening to your you know, monologue from yesterday, and I think you, know, you hit so many good points. And there's no one solution, no one law you can pass, none of that. I mean, we have to take a deep, hard look inward, you know, in ourselves. And I think right now what we've seen is, you know, our the fabric of our society seems to be tearing apart. And if you're looking at us, you know, how more divisive we've become, how angry it's become, and it seems, you know, the heart and soul of our country and who we've become has just been deteriorating at such a quick pace. And you know, looking at your monologue from yesterday, talking about the decline of the family. And I think, you know, nobody wants to talk about it because they want easy solutions. Right. So there's no easy solution when you, when you, when you take away, you know, this, you know, nature, which has been going on for millennia, right? Yeah. You, when you remove a father figure. And I think this is where, you know, it really requires tough choices and looking at ourselves and seeing how we can do better and how we've failed and why we failed. And, you know, it seems like it's been, you know, this intentional um, and orchestrated effort to emasculate society, I think, is a big problem. You know, and I love how you mentioned, you know, the Border Patrol agent, the, the Special Forces agent, the, the Border Patrol. Yeah. I mean, you know, that exactly is what we need more of in our society, right? You know, after 9-11, that, that camaraderie had, which, you know, we're, we're in it together to, you know, with, with a common enemy. And it seems right now when, it's, when you're having so many mass shootings, it, it, it has become a problem, especially the ones who are you know, committing this. It's not like this 18-year-old did this at high school. He targeted 10-year-olds. Yeah. Uh, and and, and it, it, so I think right now we have to recognize that we've lost so much by, by removing the family unit aspect of it. And, you know, I think we have to take a look at mental illness. Mental illness is a big, you know, topic that nobody wants to discuss. And I think it's because, you know, it's taboo in many ways. As a former prosecutor at the Maricopa County Attorney's Office, you know, my jurisdiction was downtown Phoenix. And believe me, I, I saw the, the horrors of mental illness. I mean, it, it's, it's getting increasingly worse. And I think we need to start addressing it and not, you know, create, make it such a taboo topic where nobody wants to uh, discuss and try to find solutions. I mean, just injecting people with medication and assuming they're going to be okay. That's not the answer. And I think we all recognize that. 
Yeah, and the stressors we put on our uh, adults, but mostly on our children, too. I think it was my very first interview with you, Abe, or your first interview with me on this show when we were coming a little bit out of some of the COVID regulations, and I had asked you if, as Attorney General, you would ever tolerate school and business shutdowns again in the name of a virus. And I, I believe you, you used a one-word answer, never, if, 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 if memory serves. One thinks about what we did to our kids for almost two years with the with the stress we put on them, with the immediate rapid disruption of their social and educational lives, all in the name, by the way, of us appearing to be fearful of children hurting adults. We come out of a two-year experiment on that. It was an experiment we didn't need to engage in, <clears throat> and we look at the way the way that these kids turned out, it wasn't a mystery at all that we didn't begin to attack an already extant mental health crisis. We exacerbated it. I wonder if we could come back and talk a little bit, just a little bit more about that one. Absolutely. I'm Seth Liebson. He's Abe Hamaday, Abraham Hamaday, Republican candidate for attorney general. Abe for AG.com is his website. Follow him on Twitter. He's got a great and active Twitter feed as well, at Abraham Hamaday, H-A-M-A-D-E-H. He is a locomotive. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Abe Hamaday is our guest candidate for attorney general. You can check out his website at abe4ag.com, A-B-E-F-O-R-A-G.com. Abe, um, we put a ton of stressors on our children, and then we're shocked when one of them explodes. We are re-racializing our children. We are regenderizing our children. We are uh, blaming children for spreading a virus to adults that doesn't affect them and doesn't show that they are actual transmitters of any any of, of any degree more 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 um, more, uh, more more strong than any anyone else more strongly than anyone else's um, we we seem to have this conversation about mental health separate and apart from everything that you would imagine in your worst nightmare to drive a mental health crisis. Along the way, we have this suffusion of drugs in our society and a quest to legalize more and more of them. Our previous uh, AG had nothing to say about the legalization of drugs here in Arizona. It just seems to me that when we scratch our heads about why there's a mental health crisis, we shouldn't have to scratch very hard. Right. And to your early, earlier point about the COVID lockdown, yeah. you know, be, before policy you know, decisions are made, we have to ask ourselves, what are the possible unintended consequences? And I think that's what's so lost in too many of our political leaders right now, where when you talked about the COVID shutdown, it was pretty easy to re- recognize what was going to happen yep. when you had children not going to school. They're going to be you know, lost and fall behind. They're going to have a mental health crisis. They're going to have higher suicide rates. And all of that has come to fruition. And same thing when you start legalizing drugs, right? The unintended consequences that that may lead to. And so this is the question that we have to ask ourselves every single time before we make you know, any quick decisions. 
So, you know, when the people like Beto O'Rourke make a political stunt and, uh, with, the, with the Texas governor, you know, wanting to ban guns, we have to understand what are the unintended consequences of that. I mean, besides the whole you know, constitutional argument. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you can take this back to even just about this time two years ago with the George Floyd BLM riot, right? right? I mean, this is they, – they led the – you know, the Democrats led a, a policy initiative to not only defund our police and demoralize them, but they wanted them off school grounds. That's right. That was another big point. That's right. Every BLM banner I saw had getting rid of SRO, school resource officers, as part of their plank. You bet. You're right about that. That's exactly right. They wanted to get rid of school resource officers, which is the unintended consequences. It's so obvious. It's so obvious that where I'm waiting for is leaders to just call out, call them out and call out their stupid and dumb ideas. And, you know, this this tragedy that we're happening across the country with, you know, mental illness and, you know, we're talking about, I mean, do you remember last year there was suddenly there was Asian crimes, you know, there was attacks on Asians. And nobody wanted to mention that the the primary attacks on Asians are actually being committed by black Americans. You know, but it made it seem like it was, you know, white crimes against Asians because they used that example in Georgia uh, when it was a white man um, who killed uh, many of the people. Yeah, they use the aberration or the exception uh, by ignoring the rest of the cases so as to have their talking point. Yes, you're right. You're right. Precisely. They have the narrative that they want to fit. So It's the same thing right with now, abortion. I, it's always about, you know, incest and rape, which is like 2% of it. It's the, they do the same thing. They never talk about the central issue. They just talk about the aberrations. Yeah, right. right. And I, I don't want to forget what they've done by, by, by having them say, you know, removing police at schools because schools, you know, having the police at schools is intimidating and it's going to affect, you know, th- that's what they're, that's what they're trying to do. They're, they're trying to gaslight us all mm-hmm. the time. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm in favor of having more, more school resource officers Good. at school. Good. I'm in favor of, you know, if teach, if you look at, you know, Israel, I mean, Israel had a massive school shooting in the seventies done by a terrorist. And their response wasn't to disarm the population. Actually, <laughs> it was to train their teachers yeah. and, you know, they've, they've had attempts that there has been another few terrorist attacks at schools that were stopped almost immediately because yeah. the teachers were, you know, well, were armed. And I think we're, we're losing that identity of responsibility. Mm-hmm. They were always looking at, say, a police officer to come and save us. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we have to recognize, you know, we have the ability within us. And I think we've, we've lost that, you know, sense of duty and honor where, we have to start taking matters into our own hands and looking inward and being responsible gun owners, being responsible citizens. So that is something in the wake of it, looking at before we pass any new laws, I would encourage all of our elected officials to possibly see the unintended consequences of any of any law that they want to repeal or actually pass. And do their homework, do their homework, because, you know, the mainstream media is an adjunct as far as I'm concerned, the corporate media is an adjunct of one political party in this country. And you're not going to get everything you need to know um, by that corporate media. In fact, some of the worst bias is what they don't report. Alex Berenson just put out a post, for example, this uh, a shooter in, 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 in Uvalde evidently was a regular illegal drug user. That was in the original New York Times draft story. Guess what? They took it out. Can't have that be the narrative. Can't have that be part of the problem. It can't be that. It can't be the trigger that 
is in the head. It has to always be the trigger in the hand, which, by the way, does make me want to ask you. I, I think I know the answer, but I think it would be good for the audience to hear your response. Michael Moore yesterday said, what's wrong with getting rid of the Second Amendment? Really, what's the argument against getting rid of the Second Amendment? Abe, that's not going to happen here under your watch, is it? No, and Michael Moore is a fool. I mean, the Second Amendment is the most important amendment out of all of them because it secures every other right. And I think if you're looking at the COVID lockdowns and, you know, talking about how tyrannies, the people that understand the Second Amendment wasn't there for hunting, okay? You know, it's obviously there. If you read any of the Federalist Papers, if you read any of our of our founding fathers, what the idea of it was, it was to safeguard against a tyrannical form of government mm-hmm. and to, have to try to prevent, you know, the tyranny that we've seen all across the world. I mean, the, the luckiest thing that we have is the Second Amendment. That's what keeps us free right here in the United States, and that's what separates us from Australia or Canada and some of these other draconian countries that have, you know, totally overstepped their bounds in the name of public safety or in the name of whatever government safety that they're trying to do to control our lives. So as Attorney General, I've always, although Arizona is one of the strongest, you know, gun rights states in the country, I always know what the left does. They they never let, you know, a a situation go to waste like this. And they never let a crisis go to waste. So I have always anticipated this is what they're going to try to do. They're going to try to attack our Second Amendment rights. You know, there's a time and place. I think right now we need to mourn with the families. You know, it's obviously awful what has happened with 21 dead and, you know, killed and murdered in that way, not not to mention the, the survivors of it. There's so many victims, and I just read a story about one of the teachers who was killed, you know, protecting her children. Her husband just passed away from yeah, a heart attack. Yeah, I saw attack. that. I saw you know, that. And, and obviously it's done through a broken heart. Yeah. And, you know, I want to really focus on the victims right now and not be like the where they want to, they want to uh, go on offense and start get, get taking away our guns and changing the narrative. Because I think at this point, the, the tragedy, you know, I don't want to just gloss over it. It is a, a complete tragedy and so many children. And we have to look inwards as Americans. That, you know, we need to do better. We need to make sure this never happens again. And we need to look at ourselves. It's going to take decades to fix this because they've eroded our culture and identity over the past 50 years. And it's going to take a while to fix it. Betcha. It's been an 18- or 50-year experiment and failure. That's exactly right, Abe Hamaday. Abe Hamaday, bless you, sir. Godspeed to you. Abe for AG.com. Great, great visiting with you as always, sir. Go get them. Thank you. You, you betcha. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, sponsored in part by the good people of Balance of Nature. They're fruits and veggies I take every day. I recommend them to you as well. Everyone who's signed up for Balance of Nature based on my say-so or based on my recommendations, they all love it as much as I do. They're sworn customers. Balanceofnature.com. You take it once a day, and you get 10 servings of fruits and vegetables. It's capsules that uh, are made of nothing but 100% pure fruits and vegetables. Balance of Nature Fruits and Vegetables. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE, balanceofnature.com, discount code BALANCE. You know, part of having an adult society and part of resisting the infantilization of our society is to have adult serious conversations in this country and maybe talking about things that um, belong not just inside the rooms 
and lecture halls that 18, 19, and 20-year-olds are subject to when it comes to college courses. I'm talking about conversations over the nature of such things as good and evil and right and wrong, especially in light of stories like we've been going through the past 72 hours. Let me bookmark this conversation for the top of the next hour. Lance Morrow at the Wall Street Journal wrote what you would call an adult essay on this. I'd like to go through it with you. Um, You know, (laughs) adult education, we're in great need of it right now. Adult re-education, not so much. But adult education, first principles, anchoring truths, you bet. Let's talk about this notion of uh, good and evil, right and wrong, and mental illness when we come back. We'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 